Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Already? Yeah, Dang, I mean, we were already... Mr. Mary Sunshine, oh, no, who no, are no. you and what did you do with Dan? No, no, no. You, you think this is going to be a positive thing. That's that's the funny part here. It's like, oh. <laughs> we're, we're already wondering. The like, other mid-season <laughs> Yeah, we're already talking about, you know, people are questioning, you know, what, what Maurice Harkless's impact was in the preseason game. And yes, that's the joke. He wasn't playing. I had multiple people <laughs> were like, where was Harkless? And I was like, could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those games. I mean, but Dame did his thing. Uh, there was a the bench came in and it was a mixed bag. People are questioning whether or not Myers Leonard is for real. I mean, it seriously it felt like the, the end it's of that like game. We haven't missed a beat. I was like, wow, we we've hit like every trope <laughs> in the first preseason game. Like this, this is really happening. I, I, uh, well, uh, okay, tell sure, me. Why not? We were already at the, we got to get off to a really great start because <laughs> that's the other thing that always comes up every time. You haven't, yeah. taught, you haven't uh, touched on that yet. We, we didn't have a, a Raptors bench player go off. So that's, <laughs> that was a thing. And Oops, people are, and people were questioning Jake Lehman starting over insert player here with Maurice Harkos out. So oh. yeah. So we're, sweet, sweet so Jake. we're arguing about rotations um so have you already started recording yes okay great hey welcome to the blazers edge podcast it's tara and dan and we are getting off to an awesome start just like the blazers are going to this season just like terry stott said on media day we're getting off to a great start i so want to talk about uh jake layman there's so much to talk about let's just Start from the beginning with media day right before we hopped on. We were trying to figure out how long ago (laughs) media day was. And you were sure it was two weeks ago. And I was sure it was a week ago. I think we've agreed that it was actually a week ago. Yeah, just all blending together already. And it's like, this is is weird. I love it, but it's weird. Yeah. Well, um... Let's start with your impressions from Media Day. Now, did you did you go? You didn't go this year. No, no, right? no, no, no. You no, watched no. it a live stream, probably. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was multitasking okay. all over the place that day, so um, okay, I did well, not go. So, anything? Um, what stood out to you about <laughs> Media Day? Oh, I don't know. The fact that they that Maurice Harkless shut everything down throughout the summer and he's still not ready to go six months later. Like that was, it just casually just slipped that one in. I think it was Casey that asked the question yeah. to just kind of keep things rolling. And Mo's like, Oh yeah, no, I shut it down during the summer and you could just, 
like immediately you could just kind of sense the, the the spidey sense just going off like what the hell did he just say did he just did he just say he shut it he hit him yeah well what? I believe I texted you the minute he said yeah. it. I was like, wait, did we know this? Yeah, no, there was a chain of text messages that just came through. Like, everybody in Blazerland, like, what the actual hell? Like, why have, like, Terry and Neil just kind of suddenly dropped that, too. Like, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, that's yeah. that's not some just casual thing. Like, the, the, I, was, I was talking to a couple guys on Media Row tonight at, at FanFest, and everybody kind of had the same consensus of, like, there's no such thing as a minor knee procedure as somebody who has like literally more than a half dozen of them. I, I can confirm that, <laughs> but right <laughs> with Harkless, it was supposed to be a, again, a minor procedure that he came back from. And while there's some discomfort with, you know, when it was all quiet on the Western front, everybody assumes Harkless is back at hundred percent blazer starting lineup is going to roll out there on game one. Right. Right. Well, one of the things that we heard is that, um, and I don't know if he said it or people in Harkless's camp said it, or if it was just this, um, you know, rumor. So maybe you can clarify that, that uh, he was maybe rushed back in order to make it for those last two playoff games. Is that something that you've heard? From what I understand is that he's supposed to be ready for game one um, of the regular season opening night against the Lakers, which obviously will be huge with the lineup that they may potentially yeah, run yeah, no, out. But I mean, back at the end of last season. Oh, everything I heard at that point in time was there was a minor discomfort. Mm-hmm. That was, but everything was going to be good after that. So like the fact that he had to shut it down, stop all basketball activities for six weeks. Like that's, that's no small thing. And so that's what has me kind of, I'm like, I am not concerned trolling at this point. Like I, I'm not at that level, but if you, if you want to know, like if my eyebrows were raised and like, Whoa, this is, this is not optimal. Like you're, the Blazers right. are talking about wanting to get off to a great start. They have a brutal schedule to start the season and you're, you may not have the guy that everybody looks at kind of like is the glue guy. Wait, Maurice Harkless is now the glue guy. A lot of people want to say that he's the one that kind of. Made, <laughs> where did that come from? Hey, I've heard this said more times than I could count this summer. And I, I'm at the point where like, okay, you're right. To in a sense, if you believe that glue guy, that he's the guy that has to find ways to score without having plays drawn up for him. Like he's going to make the hustle play. He's going to make the backdoor cut. He's going to get out and transition because Dame's going to get his CJ's going to get his Nurkic is going to get his opportunities. And I think the pecking order I, from there is going to be probably Seth, Turner, Aminu? Okay, I have a completely different definition of glue guy. I thought glue guy was the person who holds everything together, who might not be the leader of the team, but without whom things start to fall apart. And, you know, so that's to me, that's that's your Ed Davis, that's your... Um, I wouldn't disagree with, uh, with that. Aminu, that's, you know, Aminu would be a great example of uh, a glue guy for them right now because, like, he's not uh, he's not putting up all of the hot stats. He's not the person who drives everything, but without him, things could fall apart. I think the so same thing I think is of when true I think of a glue for guy. Harkless, though. That, that's the thing. Like, good Harkless, and I hate this whole good Harkless, bad Harkless thing, mostly because it's true. Um, but good Harkless is exactly what the Blazers need. 
Like they need easy points in transition. They need versatile defense from that can cover one through four. Uh, they need a corner three point shooter. They need a hustle guy. Like they need a guy that can generate offense on its own outside of the playbook. Like that's, I mean, I don't think the Blazers necessarily want to have Maurice Harkless be the glue guy because he hasn't been consistent most of his career. But I would argue that the Blazers, when he is good and he is that glue guy, then they're the best version of the team that they can be, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can go with that. I mean, again, he's not the first person I think of when I say blue, glue guy. But when no. you explain it, like, he's the person who, if he's playing his very best, then the Blazers are the best version of themselves. Yeah, I can kind of go I can kind of go with that. But let's, let's get back to what else may have uh, stood out to you um, on media day. You know, <sighs> one thing I really liked... Um, when they talked to Damian Lillard and they asked him about what he had been up to this summer, I really liked that his answer was, I stayed still. And I just, Rest I, I love the way, thing. I really love the way that he, you know, talked about just sticking close to home. Cause I mean, he still, you know, did his trip. He still did a lot of stuff and he obviously entertained us all with his uh, funny workout video. But, you know, uh, like you said, uh, Rest is really critical for a guy his age. And I think, you know, he just, he has, he's got time to really think about what happened last season, where they're going, how they're going to get there and just like spend some time just visualizing what this year is going to look like, because I think it's going to be, I mean, we've, we've seen their, their physical talents pretty much reach the height that I don't know, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe they all have more heights that they can reach, but we've seen them reach their, um, their physical, um, uh, we've seen them attain their physical abilities. And I think they have to add the mental component on top of it now. And he's had a lot of time to reflect on how he's going to do it for himself and how he can bring the rest of the team along. Anyway, I just really liked how he phrased that. Um, if you were going to ask me to, to, to break down Dame's part of media day, he is fully embraced dad mode. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, his little pictures of his little baby on Instagram are so cute. But I mean, just like, <laughs> you gotta admit, just, just, oh yeah, they are. I mean, it's 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 a it's a baby dame. I mean, come on. But I mean, just listening to him talk, he he sounds like like dad. Like you can tell well, he's, that he's, he's he's he has a kid. You can like the the maturation process of the past year, like the way he's talking about not just life but basketball. He's kind of like the things he's taking from life are coming to basketball. Like his perspective like, has, has evolved. Like that stuff. Like it, be specific. Cause I, I feel like he's always kind of been like that. I think he's always been on top of things, but just the way he talks about like how he's handled social media, um, how he works with the young guys, how he takes guys under his wing, his perspective on the season, uh, his, is the reflecting on last season, taking the good with the bad. And it wasn't just platitudes, like the way he was talking about it. Like there are some guys that, they're just paying it lip service because that's what they have to do. But he he was taking it piece by piece and breaking it down in a – I don't want to say like a responsible way because he's always been responsible. But there was just something fatherly about it. When I listened to him, I'm like, yeah, you can tell this guy's had a kid now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's, that's what I, I just kept taking from it. Yeah. I don't know. I I thought that he's I thought that he's 
always sounded the way that he sounded. He's always been very measured in his approach to the other guys. He's he's always been, you know, on the one hand complimentary and on the other hand he's been, you know, trying to inspire them by his own actions and his own activities and like by being an example. I don't know. I just I felt like he was just doing what Dame always does and why we've been so lucky to have him as a franchise for so long and why we're so lucky that he appears to want to to stay yeah the the, the storyline news i think that came from both dame and cj was was again talking about loyalty and staying with the team um i don't know why players do that i mean i i get it but like haven't we seen this happen enough throughout the league that gain. you think that they that they would just be cautious about doing that. I we, mean, we had, just, this, we had this debate on Blazers Outsiders. Joe and Shane are staunchly in opposition to, to what I believe here. And that is, I, I don't think there's anything to gain from it. No, like, like, like Kyrie saying he wanted to stay in Cleveland. And then you he, can only he's, he's lose gone. because yeah. people will throw it back in your face. Like this making promises is, is so making promises is just so scary anymore especially this day and age wherever you know everyone's player gonna movement. drag it out not it's not perfectly even, not even just that like it's, player movement's different now than it was like in the 80s saying you wanted to be a lifer with a team that's okay because one it was kind of expected because of the of, of the way free agency was done but two like that was how you built a brand with the the you know social media coming further and further in, into, into the world you can build your brand without like staying loyal and because player movement's such an accepted thing at this point in time, nobody really cares. I know that sounds harsh, but like if Dirk's probably going to be the last one to finish his career with one team, like to be a, like a legendary superstar and play twenty years for one team, like that's that's probably it. <laughs> just because of the way free agency is, the way salary is structured. Like I just I don't begrudge guys who give twelve years to a franchise and then decide you know they want to play for money or they want to play closer to family or they want to play in a warmer climate or a tax free zone like there's a million reasons to want to go play somewhere else and I'm not just talking about Portland I'm not talking about any market so like I just don't understand what there is to gain from saying like I'm gonna be a lifer and so I think Damon CJ both took the like the right way and like they qualified it with it's still a business. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm glad that they did qualify what they said. They, they were like, you know, right now I'm happy. I'm happy here right now, mm -hmm. but you know, things change and they at least threw that caveat in. I really appreciated. How about what uh, Stotts was talking about? Because you know how I love it when he says um, pre very precisely what they're going to be working on. And he addressed the question that we've all been asking ourselves about, you know, why were the Blazers so far down the line in assists last year? And he addressed it by saying that they were going to look at shooting less off the dribble and, um, you know, uh, better shooting inside and outside. You know, I like that he was talking about that. Do you think that is really going to show itself up? Do you think that um, the Blazers are, are really going to be adding some new things to their, uh, to their arsenal. And maybe we could talk about some of the things that came out of training camp and even the first preseason game that we saw earlier this week. Yeah. I mean, Stotts is, he said this and then he backed it up and took one of his sets that he originally put in with the team when he first got here seven years ago, um, out of the playbook. And so which set was that? I don't know. Um, I'm, 
I'm assuming it's probably um, one of their um, pin downs off of the um, off of the flow offense because uh, it looks like they okay, were okay. So he running... just said I took one out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just just from watching the preseason game. That's that's the one that yeah, I'm assuming. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the one that I'm assuming because I saw a little bit less of that and I saw a little more um, emphasis on uh, other guys outside of Damon CJ coming off that uh, extended ball movement uh, off the wing. Um, I'm going to talk to uh, Dane Delgado because um, he's he's been watching it um, much more much more closely than I have because he's breaking down the the actual plays as we go through preseason into the season uh, as part of his mm-hmm. new web series. So. Um, hoping to talk to him and, and kind of go over some things and make sure I'm, I'm lined up on the same, same level. But um, the Blazers had nine assists on their first 11 made shots in the first, in the first preseason game. So mm-hmm. <sighs> emphasis on ball movement. Um, there were a few other wrinkles to uh, the playbook um, for anybody that's not following Dan already. Dane highlighted some of them as did I uh, on Twitter during the game. Um, Such as? Just little things that if you're not paying, like if you if you don't know the Blazers trail or the Blazers playbook, you wouldn't really notice. But just little wrinkles of where guys are popping up, uh, timed split cuts. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I joke just, that, that Aminu on the dribble drive out of the DHO um, was a, a new wrinkle, but I think that was just Aminu kind of experimenting in the preseason because he came out of the DHO and took it to the rim twice and cre- tried to create off the dribble, which is not something we obviously see uh, from Aminu all that often. He did it occasionally last year. Okay. Sometimes I back think to maybe not in a planned. Yeah, back-to-back <laughs> possessions in a preseason game is more than we see regularly. So it was one of those things where it was, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but maybe it's something that Aminu wanted to add to his game because at this point in his career, I think those are the only real things, tangible things that he can add to his game and expect to see, you know, growth out of. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we saw from some of the individual players in the the preseason game. I was able to watch it, but on a very small, very fuzzy (laughs) view. (laughs) So I didn't uh, catch as much as I had hoped I had been able to, but I did catch that there was um, a lot more player movement in the beginning. I worry sometimes that about, uh, you know, assists for just the sake of saying that they have more assists. So I'm hoping that that, you know what the the passing and everything looked like it was part of a plan and not just like oh no we told everybody we were going to pass the ball around more so here we are passing the ball around more what did you think about that i mean there were times where i still saw cj pound the ball a little bit wade especially with that with that kind of last group which is to be expected because they're not playing together a whole ton um was Mm -hmm. definitely a little poundy with the ball but I, i thought the ball was moving quicker um, it looked like Turner was trying to facilitate, trying to find that happy medium between going to the rim and creating for others. Not quite there yet. Um, yeah, it seemed like every time I looked up, he was driving going to, to the, the hoop. And yeah. I was like, I was like, what, what are you doing? I thought he was supposed to be assisting. Although he actually did end up with more assists than anybody else. There was one Turner drive that, uh, featured a spin. The spin and... moving between two defenders <laughs> finished with the yeah. left hand. Yeah. That was, that was something because that was he, spun, he spun past the first defender and it took him wide, like, or it looked like it was going to take him wide. And then he kind of carried the spin a little bit further and inside the other defender and passed him. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> 
That looked to me like he put himself in the spin move. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, whoa. Put himself in the spin cycle and took, what, took one too many spins. Like, whoa, hey, what's going on here? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but other than that, uh, guys were, were looking aggressive. The others outside of Damien CJ were looking really aggressive. Um, Nurkic was operating in the high post a little bit more, um, and they were running cuts off of that. So that was a new wrinkle. So Nurkic coming up, receiving the ball. Um, and Nurkic has got a nice little um, – passing game. I mean, he's not Sabonis, but he, he sees the floor pretty well, and he's he's willing to take some chances, which sometimes he shouldn't be. <laughs> but he is willing to take some chances. Um, so uh-huh. the, I, I think that Stotts, the two things that stood out, or actually three things that stood out for me from the preseason game in general, like points that they, they emphasized at media day, were they wanted to be more aggressive defensively, um, and it felt like they were trying to get both on-ball pressure as well as uh, pressure in the passing lanes. Um, they only, I think, they only generated four or five, four steals. Um, but yeah, last year they were not big generators, and they I don't think they have been. No. They haven't been big generators of steals. They're they try more to um, force people into bad shots than to yeah. force people into turnovers. I think, right? Yeah. Would that be a way you would characterize their yeah, that's defense? A good, that's a good way to put it. And I, I don't think any addition of the personnel here is going to change that. But putting ball pressure, putting pressure on, like it. Nurkic came out, uh, early, especially early on in the game. I don't know if he was just jacked at the play or if it's something that they're, they're legitimately trying. And he was defending much higher in the pick-and-roll coverage than I've seen in quite some time. So he was coming up higher. He was not dropping closer to the basket. Is yeah. that what you're saying? So on the pick-and-roll, there's one on the, there was two particular plays on the left wing. It looked like Nurkic was almost even, almost hedging on the pick-and-roll, uh, putting pressure on uh, Ibaka outside. This also kind of backfired in a sense because he got caught fouling a jump shooter. <laughs> yeah. Fouling so, a buck in the three-point line. So um, It felt it, like there were a lot of fouls, but maybe that's just because no, there it was, was a, metric a ton of fouls. game. There were 76 fouls. Okay. It was, it was absurd. <laughs> I was talking to Travis Demers, who was calling the game, uh, covering for, for wheels while he's out, and he was like, Man, that was a blast, but they did not make it easy on me tonight, talking they being the officials. He's like, it's really yeah. hard to get in, get into a flow of the game, you know, when you're trying to trying to be that guy yeah. and the refs are just blowing whistles literally almost to a minute. So um, Yeah. That's, so that's when you're when you're a team of veterans who's working on being more aggressive as, you know, on on defense, um, how do you uh, how do you make sure you're being cautious about not fouling too much. I mean, cause these guys, most of them are pretty experienced. I mean, obviously Zach Collins has only got one year under his belt, but like Nurkic has been around now for a while. Aminu has been around. He's not making stupid fouls, but how do you increase your aggression at the same time being careful about not committing too many fouls? That's the tricky part because you have to kind of count on reputation. And, okay. and the refs are anticipating a team being really aggressive Take Memphis, for example, for years, they got away with murder mm-hmm. because they were so aggressive and the refs weren't going to call everything. If, uh-huh. In the Blazers, um, they may rack up some fouls and that may deter the, them from wanting to be so aggressive because they don't have the reputation of being aggressive. And now, I'm not saying that they're, they're the bad boys or that they're, they're the, grit, the, you know, the grit and grind Grizzlies, but putting ball pressure on, I, I think, is a good thing. I think getting in the passing lanes is a little iffy because it can come back to bite you. Um, 
but really it's just all about how, how hard you're willing to work. And that's not like a, all they're not willing to work thing. It's just, it's an extra gear. Like there, mm-hmm. there, there are very, 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 very few guys in the NBA who can genuinely give it to you all night long on both ends of the floor. Like Kawhi Leonard's one of those guys. I was just going to ask <laughs> what you thought about Kawhi's debut in our Raptors uniform. Uh, he shot like crap, but physically he's fine, which leads me to believe that he just trolled the living hell out of the Spurs. Like, talk- Can you imagine being gutsy Think- enough to do that? Things must must have been so toxic between his camp and the Spurs. that I mean, because he looked absolutely fine, 100%. Yeah. So, and I don't believe, like, he just suddenly got better. We were talking about a guy basically missing the entire season and shutting it down. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I tend to believe that, you know, the Spurs were probably right in saying he needed to get his butt back because he, he, yeah. he, he looked pretty darn healthy, which sucks because I really like Kawhi, and seeing that kind of play out now, it makes the big bad Spurs look like the good guys here. And I'm just so excited we only have to see him twice a year now. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I think the entire Western <laughs> Conference is thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so in a minute, I want to talk a little bit more about the front court rotation, but I want to call out one player who I thought sound, seemed very aggressive and very on top of things, and I want to know if this is going to be what we're going to see. I thought Summer League Jake showed up to preseason Jake. Um, he was – I thought he was covering a lot of ground, he was running around a lot. I don't know if he was running around a little bit too much. I remember at one point in the fourth quarter, he was like the only person guarding the perimeter. And I was like, is someone going to get out there and help Jake? Because it was really, it just looked like they were playing keep away from him. And he was the only person who was out there trying to defend the perimeter. What did you think of Jake Lehman, especially since he got the start? And we might need to see him if Harkless is maybe <coughs> having a hard time getting back. You know, I uh, I was I was happy for Jake. I think... His summer league performance and his aggressiveness is what got him, um, as well as okay, we'll back this train up a little bit. The call out on media day from Neil O'Shea about mm-hmm. Jake Lehman. <laughs> you want to talk about things out of left field? Maurice Harkless and Neil O'Shea going to bat for Jake Lehman. Like those are two like, things. That didn't surprise me. I, that didn't surprise me at all because it's year three, and that's always year three. That's always when you know Neil's guys get their play. If something hasn't happened that you know has brought them on before, that didn't surprise me at all. Um, to be so vocal about it, I think was a little bit surprising. But to Jake's credit, yeah. now he didn't shoot the ball well uh, in the in the preseason game. Two of ten. But he was damn aggressive. Um, <laughs> there was one drive where he he, he took a baseline. And I'm screaming at him. <laughs> he he had the ball isolated on the wing, and he gave it up. And I I can't remember who it was. I I think it was CJ who gave it back to him. Like, no, you have the mismatch. Take him. And mm-hmm. once he got the ball back, he's like, yeah, I'm taking him. And he t- took him baseline. Ibaka rotated, and really he cheated his freaking brains out. Um, he was at the free throw line extended with his back turned to Nurkic. It's the kind of thing where in the future, if that ever happens, I hope Nurkic back cuts or something because yeah, it was not good, but Pulls Lehman, the chair out from under him. Yeah. Lehman, <laughs> uh, Lehman was aggressive in that particular play. And, and throughout the night, uh, on both ends, he, he got rejected just horribly at the rim by Ibaka and it was a beautiful block, but it's the mentality. I mean, that's the things we're hoping to see from him. Uh, he was taking the right shots, uh, and clearly he, he felt do, comfortable. 
Do you remember that play though? It was like, I think maybe the beginning of the fourth where he was like literally the only person who was chasing people around on the, uh, on the perimeter. I don't know where everybody, they were all like under the basket or maybe somebody was like maybe in the corner. Uh, and it just looked like they were playing keep away. I felt so bad. I was like, somebody go help Jake. <laughs> but I mean, are they going to be using him? I mean, is that going to be his expected defensive, um, you know, role? that's how like, he's going to get on the floor. There's, there's two ways for Jake Lehman <laughs> to get on the floor, play defense and knock down. He threes. was switching like himself. Like that's because <laughs> there wasn't anybody to switch with. He was just like, okay, I'll switch onto this guy and onto this guy. There's nobody else to switch with, but I'm going to run around and carry cover everybody. Yeah, it was shut just, up was preseason like, oh. when you got 18 guys playing. Somebody please go help Jake out. But anyway, he, he struck, he was long, he was running fast. He was getting down court really quickly, and um, some of the guys looked a little tired. He did not look as tired um, as, as some of the other guys did. I thought, uh, how about Seth Curry? What did you think of his debut in the Blazer uniform? So just kind of jumping off here, I, I talked about a couple points from Media Day playing out in, in the preseason, and this kind of goes to that point. Uh, Jake, Seth, uh, Myers, uh, those guys – the Blazers talked about specifically, I think everybody in the team talked about it, them shooting more threes. Like mm-hmm. they are going to get more threes up. And they got 31 threes up. Good number. Shot 12 mm-hmm. to 31. Um, Two from Nurkic. What's up with that? that he, gonna... he hit another one tonight at FanFest. Nurkic is feeling oh. himself in three. So oh, God. He, was, okay. he was 0 for 7 God from three last him. year. And, and you know what? I will say this. I don't know if it's true or not, but to my eye, Nurk looks lighter. I think part of that is wanting the Blazers wanting him to be good for 30 minutes a night. And mm-hmm. and with that stepping out, that kind of plays into the, the more modern NBA. Um, so, I mean, if he's going to be playing 30 minutes a night and running back and forth between, are you thinking that he's going to be, well, you think on offense he's going to be on three, but not on defense. He's not no, going to be running out on the no, third no, Okay, not, not regularly. Okay, I was like, <laughs> not regularly. Like, he's going to be so I, tired. I, I definitely 30 think it's, it's a that. real thing. Um, but just a little adding a little thing to his game um, is a nice touch. But I mean, you had guys last night uh, who you had Layman getting up threes. I mean, Damon CJ are going to get their threes up. If Nurkic is yeah. all of a sudden stepping out and giving you one and a half a game. That's good. If Myers is out there and it looked like they may give him significant run, uh, with that second unit, maybe give him like 10, 12 minutes a night. And that is significant because he basically got no run last year. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he ended up leading him in scoring, which doesn't matter, but confidence and doing the right things offensively does. And if the Blazers are going to shoot more threes and they need floor balancing, then yeah, getting getting Myers Leonard out on the floor is going to help you. Nurkic is stretching the floor and taking a three or two a game. That's going to help you. If Aminu and Harkless and Stauskas and basically everyone not named Evan Turner is getting threes up, you're going to get your number up. And if they're knocking them mm-hmm. down more consistently, hell yes. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the kind of thing I'm I'm at right now. Like, like if if they're going to live by the three, live by it. Like go go in. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they certainly, that's what they spent the offseason doing. <laughs> you know, that's who they signed, our three-point shooters. Um, back to Seth Curry. Yes, Seth. How, again, like, it was kind of fuzzy for me, so, like, I couldn't even figure out who he was for a while. I, yeah, no, <laughs> then because I it looks like Sebastian was I was like, okay. No, he's wearing 31, and if he throws on a freaking headband, I'm going to lose it because when he's moving <laughs> around the floor, he looks like Telfair. It, it, yeah. it just drives me crazy. It's like, oh, God, every time I see him, I'm just going to think of Chris Paul now. Um, but I thought Seth was okay. He was in my mind playing. He hasn't played for a year. Exactly. He was playing it down (laughs) a gear. That's what it felt like to me. Like Like he he didn't want to go out there and leave it all out there on the court. He played 12 minutes and he took two shots. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, I think he had a a assist. Like, I think he was just Uh trying to work his way in just, see what it was like to be in a game, in a real competitive game, you know, quote-unquote real. Um, Honestly, I think Seth's going to end up being a pretty big part of this team. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they're going to start featuring him down the road this season. But I wouldn't be surprised if it takes him like a month of actual basketball for him to like really deliver. And that's To just shake the rust off. Just Yeah, just kind of get in the groove of things. So I'm not... My, my thing is, this isn't a negative. This isn't like, oh, I don't think he's going to do anything. Mentally, I'm looking at it like, okay, I'm giving Seth a month, which mm-hmm. sucks because the Blazers do need to get off to a good They're start. Supposed to get off to a great start. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was emphasized. We want to talk about points of emphasis from from uh, media day. That's that's another one of them. Yeah. Um, but personally, I'm looking at Seth like, okay, basically anything you give us for the first month of games is is good. Like. But after that, you need to you need to deliver. So, that, that's, so that's kind of what I looked at the game, and maybe he he finds it in the next couple games. Maybe he gets all of a sudden, you know, kind of gets that. Season is good for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he just gets in that groove. Like, okay, we're good now. I, I know what speed to play at. I know how my body's going to react. I can trust my leg. All that stuff that comes with coming back from you know missing basketball for a year. My thing that I'm watching with him is I think that he's going to, I think I said this last week, he's going to take on some of that Alan Crabb role because one of the things that the Blazers suffered in last year is like um, those catch and shoot, um, you know, threes that Outside they CJ, used to he's their, their best catch and shoot shooter. Like just, just watching well, him tonight. They could use another one. Yeah. And that was what Crab was supposed to be. And that is what he what that's what Crab did sometimes, not all the time. He wasn't quite as consistent. But like I see in my head looking at all of the plays um from Seth when he was in Dallas, when I saw the play the types of plays that he was running into, he was running straight into the positions that Alan Crab used to run into. And he can he can get a shot off fast. He can get a shot off before he's even really stopped running. And if they can capture capitalize on that that'll be a weapon that they haven't really had in a couple of years and you know with the drop off last year of their uh offense I really think that that was kind of part of it um not that Alan Crabb was super consistent but he was they consistently went to him you know what I mean yeah no I I, I absolutely I think get what Seth you're saying. Could do I, that. I, I think he'd be a better version of that because he can handle the ball better and he can create off the bounce much better uh than Crab has ever demonstrated. Um, but as far as like spot up opportunities, hell yes. Um, yeah, I mean, he, 
he does like he had a number where he like I said like he hadn't even stopped running <laughs> and he was able to like get those off I mean he's a nice shooter so yeah, no watching the I, fan I hope fest you're tonight. right that he gets oh yeah how did he look at fan fest he was chucking from five feet behind the line yeah like nice. no hesitation canning and I was like okay mm-hmm. um honestly he was playing at a faster more comfortable gear tonight than he was in the preseason game so maybe it's just well, a matter of just, it up. You're just getting the rust off, getting back yeah. in the groove, getting comfortable. And that's something I think it gets lost sometimes is that um, when guys move to a new city, like you're yeah. sleeping in a different bed, eating at different He's places. He's also a new dad. Yeah, there's another one. And driving to the arena. Like that's mm-hmm. his first time your playing, routine down. Yeah. playing in front of folks, you know, in Portland as a blazer. That was, mm-hmm. I mean, so maybe that some of that comfort came tonight. So yeah, um, I, I'm not really like I'm not worried about him. I, I'm more positive going forward for him, and I think he can do some really really nice things for the team. Uh, yeah, but I, again, He's like I said, I'm, I'm giving him a month. I'm I'm really uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty high on him right now. So I'm I'm hoping that he's off to a great start, just like everybody else. Okay, the thing I'm really curious about is with the um, absence of Ed Davis, mm-hmm. what. What do you think about how some of these um, front court rotations played out? And just, I mean, I know it's just one preseason game, so we don't know anything yet. But what are your thoughts and impressions on the rotations? Um, something you pointed out that I was talking to a few people about during the game. Somebody's going to have to rebound the damn ball at the second unit. <laughs> because this isn't, again, this isn't shots at, at Myers you- and Zach. They just aren't rebounders. They are space eaters and body grabbers. Like I think that Zach rebounds a little bit, but I don't. I don't. He, he didn't have to last year because that was what Ed did. And so, if he is going to rebound this year, he has to get used to it. And one thing that I've been thinking about with this season is, um, I thought that this season was going to be one of those seasons where everybody's crashing into each other under the basket all the time because they're all going for the rebounds. And then, like, two years ago, it would be, like, Noah Vonley and Ed Davis, and everybody would just, like, crash into each other constantly. And then last year, when they had that really solid rotation of, you know, Nurkic and Aminu and then Ed and Zach, they weren't crashing into each other. And I was like, oh, no, this year we're going to go back to crashing into each other. And instead, like, nobody was going up for the rebounds. It was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a little strange, to say the least. Like... That seems like something that they can work out pretty quickly. I, I hope Don't it. You think? I hope it is. Um, but they just—it's that Portland polite. No, you got it. No, you got it. No, no you it, got it. That's the thing is, it's not—that's not really the case in my opinion. Because you and I have talked about this offline before. Like with rebounding, you either have it or you don't. Like think of a guy in this in in your history of watching the NBA. How many guys that weren't really necessarily rebounders all of a sudden became rebounders? I don't know, but I don't think I agree with that. I don't. I don't know that you can't learn how to be. A I think rebounder. you can learn how to be better, but to be a rebounder, it's just the skill that you have. Look at the look at the Ed Davises, the Kevin Loves of the world, the the Zach Randolphs. Like it's just it's an innate ability to just be able to be in the right position, box out accordingly, time your jump, and know where the ball's going to be. I mean, guys are just so how about, gifted at it. Or how about not. Caleb Swanigan? Swanigan reads the the ball off the rim better than he's anybody on this team. He's a great rebounder in college. He's a great rebounder right now. Like he's uh-huh. he came in last night and was 
easily the best rebound of the Blazers had on the floor. Like, in mm-hmm. his time out there, it was like, he was just, hell, he came on the floor, uh, I believe on a, on a foul, and within six seconds, he had a rebound. Like it was just like the guy knows. I mean, it's just something you know how to do. You, it's 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 one of those skill sets that's from college, one of the most transferable and indicative skill sets there is. And so it's one of those things. I think it's 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 either you do or you don't. And it's not a shot at guys like Myers or Zach because the guys that eat up space like they do and find a body and box out literally every possession are good things to have. Like, Robin Lopez has made a career out of it. He's only averages, like, what, like six and a half, seven rebounds a game? But his rebound rate for, for when he's on the floor for his team goes up because other guys can't get to the boards. Yeah, they need to have, like, secondary rebound numbers, you know, where you're boxing out keeps yeah. somebody else from Myers getting a rebound. Zach would do great in that category. Uh, Steven Adams. Uh-huh. Steven Adams boxes out for Russell Westbrook every damn possession. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen Adams could be a 15 rebound a game guy, but he's, yeah, he's like but Lopez. He's like, Leonard, get he's like Collins. Triple, double. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> there's something to that. Seriously. Um, but well, yeah, okay, so I, of, that's, Portland, that's, that's my concern as far as that unit rebounding. There are other concerns with that concern. unit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like okay, the that, rotation. You mean, you mean the whole front court or a specific unit of no, the front court? No, Zach and Myers on the floor together. Like somebody. Okay, we're talking about Zach and Myers now. Yeah, okay. Somebody's got to find a way to rebound between those two. Like, that's. Mm-hmm. It's just. I, if you were going to ask me which of the two I was more comfortable with, I'd honestly say Myers right now. Because Zach. Can't, well, I mean, if they're both boxing people out, then. Yeah, <laughs> there's. Myers, Myers holds, holds his spot better. Like, if Myers uh-huh. boxes you out, you're probably not going to get around him. Like he's Can you just, imagine trying to push him over? No, no. Greg Monroe <laughs> tried it, and he got thrown to the ground twice. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's the reason I went with like from, from the analysis uh, article that I put up the other night. The, the picture is Myers throwing Greg Monroe to the ground. Like I, I watched <laughs> it happen live, and I was like, huh, "Craig thought Myers was weak again." Uh, Greg, you don't learn. <sighs> um, but yeah, I okay. Other than that, I, I like the way that they played off each other offensively. Yeah, uh, I like the rotation. Uh, speaking of the Blazers front court, I want to go back and, and talk about Nurk real quick because Nurk mm-hmm. wasn't out of this world good. But outside of fouling Ibaka on the three point shot, I liked his decision making. I liked what he was doing. He didn't go to any flip shots. He was under control in the post. He was taking the shots that he was going to take with confidence, no hesitation, stepping into them. Um, he recognized, uh, there was a, there was a drop step spin when I think it was Valanchunas was on him, but he played him soft in coverage and Nurkic realized it drop step spun under control, finished hard at the rim and overall just looked good. And that's what I want to see from him. I, I, I think we're at the point where we're never going to get like throwback, 1986 version of Yusuf Nurkic where he's just going to beat the living hell out of everybody in the post. I wish it would happen, but I just don't think at this point we're going to get it. And you know what? If that's it, so be it. And let's, let's have him be a gifted, athletic, talented big who finishes around the rim. So my, my, my next step is like, okay, let's see his post footwork and let's see him under control and making good decisions. And all those things last night were great. I, I, so I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm about that. Like that's those were good positive things that I saw from YouTube directors last night. Yeah, you know, you, like it kind of goes back to my whole thing about like not want, saying I don't like dunks, but I mean we're not we don't need Nurkic to be flashy. And I think like he came in thinking that he needed to be flashy and he needed to make a splash. And he kind of did those first 20 games that he was a blazer. He was a monster. And I think he, he thought that that was going to have to be his identity. And when it wasn't quite working for him last year, you know, then that's when I think the maturity f- switch flipped in him and he realized okay, well, if I'm not going to be able to just, you know, dominate on offense, I need to get back and play defense. I'll start with my defense again. And that was what I appreciated about him last year. And I think that's a maturity thing that we can expect to enjoy more from. Like, just like you were saying that you saw, you know, he was doing the reasonable, he was making the right decisions and, you know, he was making them with confidence. He wasn't like thinking about like, oh, how could I make this look flashy. He was just thinking like, what do I need to do with this now in order to like to be successful? And then he took some threes. So we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Hey, you know what? <laughs> let, let, let the big man live. All right. <laughs> so another thing that I noticed with um, Zach and Myers, which I appreciated was a lot of pointing going on with the two you of love, them. You love your uh, pointing. Well, I love pointing because you, you know, and Shane Eric Brennan Griffin, would have a good, good time watching a game. Well, Eric pointed out to me that the reason I like, he was like, I, the, what, you know, what's going on when people are pointing is that they're communicating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense for when Eric and Zach are, or Eric, when, <laughs> when Myers and Zach are out on the floor together because they haven't had a lot of run together and they really need to communicate. One of the things that Zach Collins is good at that I've noticed is that when getting back on defense, he's always the one who's like pointing and indicating to people like where he's going or where he expects them to be going. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's kind of scary when you have a lot of continuity on a team is that guys start, you know, thinking that they understand each other and they don't have to communicate so much. Um, so it was nice to see that communication going on between um, Zach and Myers. If they're going to be playing together a lot, it makes a lot of sense, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a fantastic point. Um, Myers is a guy who, who talks as well. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of been a thing for a while. Um, well, I, I've been utterly positive for most things here. I got to kind of ratchet it down here <laughs> on, yeah. on, on, on Zach. Um, it's one preseason game, so I'm not getting too excited about it, but the, um, the, I've added bulk Zach Collins narrative. It's kind of, that, that, that got shot out of a cannon last night. Well, uh, it's not like you weren't <laughs> sitting there rubbing your hands together waiting for it. No, no, no. I was. Oh, you I absolutely delight in this thing. I do yes, not. You do. Don't I try do. to pretend. You know, because then you, you can, know for certain that like, I don't. Right. You know for you, certain you, that I don't. I know that you love to be right. And if you look at Zach Collins <sighs> and think that he hasn't put on 20 pounds since the beginning of last year, you're just so excited about being right about no, it. No, it's not about being right. It's about the idea that he's not quite big enough to, to play against the big boys down low. Now, will that stop the Blazers, Blazers from playing Zach at center? Probably not. But I wouldn't expect to see him because it looked like the Blazers – I'm not trying to hide him because I don't think they would do that. Um, but they 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 made an obvious effort to keep him off of uh, Valanciunas and Greg Monroe. 
because they're just two big grown men who would just beat him up down low. There were a couple possessions well, where Zach tried to body a couple guys and it, it just didn't work out in his favor. Um, I, yeah. I, I hope that as the season goes, my, my theory at this point in time is I think Zach's just a slow starter mm-hmm. because last year's summer league, and then by the end of the season, two totally different players this year's summer league. So I'm hoping that each year that slow start becomes a faster, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the thought, they got to get off to a good start. Exactly. And that's, again, <laughs> this is like in this, this thing flashing in the back of my head is like, are they, they going to figure this out? Are they going to be able to figure out the back end of this, this whole deal and put it together to get the good start that they need? The questions that like with Zach, he's still 20 years old. Like he's, he's a kid. He's or 21. He's a kid. Like it's going to take time. It's, it's going to take four years before he's really who he's going to be in this league. But the Blazers need him to be who he's going to be in this league now. So th- mm-hmm. that conflicts. You've got Seth, who I think he's going to be good, but I think it's going to take him a few weeks to kind of get the ball rolling. You've got the Blazers who are going to try to get the ball out of C.J. McCollum's hand, which is strange to say out loud because that's where he's the best with it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. in order for everybody else to be good around it, you, you have to maybe go through some growing pains. So you start seeing all these things kind of pile up where there are big, big questions on, you know, under the surface that can have huge impacts to how they get off to the start of the season. So while I hope that Collins is able to kind of figure out how to play bigger than he is right now, I don't think it's going to happen right away. While I hope Seth is going to figure out where he's going to be in the pecking order of the offense, I think it's going to take a couple weeks. Um, but there are other ways where I think Collins, on a matchup basis, on a nightly basis, can be much more effective. Um, so I think if you're looking for the silver lining, defensively he's, he's, he's still going to be strong on that end as a weak side shot blocker. And I think that we will see possibly a different look and maybe see him be more effective on both ends of the floor if the Blazers get Harkless back uh, sooner rather than later and you see them go with like a small lineup of Dame, CJ, Harkless, Aminu, Collins or moving Harkless up to the four and and Collins up to the five and really just running the living daylights out of the offense. Um, Then I think you may see Collins out of just sheer like need develop into that bigger guy because i think he has he has the ability to get there i just don't think he has the body to get there yet and and maybe just sheer willpower alone will be enough for him to to kind of figure it out as the season goes well uh, at least he's seven feet tall right he has that going for him exactly (laughs) and he has the frame Let me ask you about this. One of the things that I heard a couple of times over the summer was um, people, blog boys, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, talking about how during the um, the regular season, you know, big centers who drop, and then as soon as the playoff starts, everybody switches everything. So maybe in order for the Blazers to have a more successful playoff, I mean, obviously they have to get to the playoffs, but also they need to prepare for the playoffs more. So do you think maybe it's possible during the regular season we're going to see more of those small switchy lineups than we did last year? Yeah, they're going to. That, that, mm-hmm. that, that's They're going to switch. Um, 
I mean, that's that was that's kind of what their reasoning was of letting Ed Davis go, right? Yep, that's that's it, part of it. They, um, and not just defensively, but offensively, they want to make teams switch. So mm-hmm. having to force the switch in addition having, to actually yeah, switching. Having Myers on the floor. I mean, listen, you can say what you want to about the guy. He's still seven foot one. And he can still shoot the living hell out of the ball. Like if he's confident and aggressive and lets the ball fly. And there's something I noticed. It was both in FanFest and the preseason game. And again, I know this is all preseason stuff, but these are things that just kind of pop into my head as I'm watching the game. They're sinking Myers Leonard into the corner. That's he normally shoots above the break threes. Yeah. But putting him yeah. in the corner, which is where the Blazers have been weak. Think about who's been in the corner the last two years. Al Camino, yeah. Maurice Harkless, Evan Turner. Uh-huh. They aren't consistent th- shooters. If Myers mm-hmm. can be a consistent shooter in that corner, you cannot help from th- those corners. Those short corners now become lethal again. Because Alan yeah. Crabb made his money, made that contract for the Brooklyn Nets by canning corner threes. Uh-huh. And, and if Myers can be that guy where yeah. Evan Turner's on the same – with the ball, ball side right there with him, you well, can't cheat to help on the drive. Him, and it also keeps him just that much – closer to the basket as well like a little bit less distance to have to cover between the you know even when he's on offense between the corner three and under the basket as opposed to when he's being if you want him offensive rebounding yes yeah if you that's inter, that's really i'm gonna take note of that myers doing the corner three now and finding out like what his historical numbers are because i remember he was really good from one place, but not so much the other. And I feel like they had him taking shots from the place that he wasn't as good. And I wonder now I can't remember which one it was. We'll have Over to look the last it up couple of years, Myers has shot decently well from the corner, but his, most of his attempts have come above the break in, and out of the pick and roll or pick and pop. Yeah. But what about his field goal percentage, which in which place is it better above the break? Because the, what, there's one corner that was better than the other, but the sample size is so small. That okay, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. That's the thing. Like, uh-huh. so if Myers can be a, like, that's the one place that you want to be good for the three point line. It's the shortest. It's the easiest well, to kind of find. You want to be good at all the places on yes, the three point you line. Do, don't you do, but you want to be lethal from the corners. Okay. It, it's it's just because, just by the virtue of floor spacing and value from distance, it is the most valuable shot yeah. in the game. Right. So you want to you want to be lethal from that spot because of what it means both mathematically, analytically, and what it means to floor balance and spacing. Because if you can't help from that corner, or the option is help from this corner or get killed, then mm-hmm. what that does for your offense is it's 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 not you know something that's immeasurable. It's something that's actually very measurable, which is probably why the Blazers are opting to do this because I haven't seen him. Not only is he sinking to the corner, he's getting the ball and shooting from the corner. Uh, did you did you see the play last night? I highlighted it in the in the uh, in the breakdown where Stauskas drove the right side and curled and kind of threw a Ginobili oh, rat pass to Myers in the corner for the n one three. Oh, okay. I was thinking about the one where Myers was driving and then he kicked it out to Stauskas. That was the one shot <laughs> where I was actually mad at Myers, where he should have taken the shot before putting the ball on the floor and going to the rim. But he still made a good choice out of that out of that possession. But going back to the corner. That play doesn't happen if Myers isn't in, sunk into the corner. Like, that wasn't just, like, 
Myers just kind of floating down to the corner. Like that was an action designed to have Myers already down there to open up the floor. Because now yeah. with Myers, him in that you corner, run there and get ready to catch it and take the shot. Well, it, I don't think the play Which was is... designed necessarily that way, but the the, the setup the play was was designed that way so that oh, okay. when Stauskas drove the right side, I, I believe it was Valanciunas that was on the floor. Valanciunas can't get from Myers even if he's playing the sh- the short corner on the other side of the paint, he can't get all the way over across the paint in time to help on Stauskas and recover on Myers. Mm-hmm. And, and with that in mind, Stauskas turns the corner, help comes, wrap pass, Myers is wide open, rotation's late, and 1-3. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's really, really, really good stuff. And just subtle wrinkles that throughout the season could, could be beneficial. Now I don't know if but, that's if that was part of the set. Like I had to go back and watch that play right. over and over again, and then watch it kind of mature through the season. But watching, there was something I was talking to the guys about tonight in Meteor Row was the that Myers was sinking more into the corner, and it, it kind of everybody just kind of looked at me like that. You know what? You're right. Like I hadn't really noticed it, so I I don't think it's something that's huge, but I think it's something that could pay dividends, and not necessarily in the counting stats for Myers Leonard, but just by virtue of spacing on the floor for everybody else. I want to ask something about Myers. Um, you were at FanFest tonight, right? Oh boy. How was the reception for him? Because he had it almost entirely positive. Of last. Okay. So good. On, on that everybody note, showed out. So Myers won the MVP tonight at FanFest, which, you know, joke all you want. Um, but that means people were voting for people him. People were wasn't voting it for a, him, yeah, on the cell phone, on the, the app. Fan. Yeah, right. it's a fan vote. So um, that was good to see. Um, he had an interview with Brooke Olsen Dam at half court after he accepted his award. And let me let me scroll back over here because I, I had to I had to tweet about it because it was ridiculous. Um, Brooke asked him, you know, how he did it, and he looked at Brooke and said, "Flame balls, baby." <laughs> Whoa! I thought that was autocorrect. I thought no, you accidentally. No, so, so he actually no, said my that. My phone was on another level tonight. I had so many damn autocorrects tonight. Like I, I, I was like, I can't. I, 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 I don't know if it was the wireless was- and Moda or no. That one was spot on. Like Brooke, Brooke replied on Twitter and said she lost complete control because Myers was. <laughs> Myers had a really nice night knocking down shots. Um, and, and that's the thing is like Myers can shoot the ball. Um, but he, I, I can't, I can't not mention this. Myers went for a under the rim, like 180 uh, tomahawk, tomahawk dunk, and he hit it off the back iron. Everybody just kind of put their face in their <laughs> palm, like, Oh, come on. You're winning everybody back. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. But that's why I hate dunks. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but okay, overall tonight, uh, the, 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 the feedback from the fans towards Myers was mostly positive um, and much, oh, more, much more affirming than it's been in the past. So that was actually something that I thought was really cool tonight. Good. The two, uh, quickly, the, the rookies, aside from how they danced, how did they, what were your thoughts on how they played in the preseason game and how, how they looked at FanFest? Okay, so I can't go, you know, regardless of, of how they danced because Gary Trent Jr. got down and he was feeling himself. So, um, yeah. which kind of translates to how he plays basketball. Gary Trent Jr. Well, does not but- suffer from a lack of confidence. 
I saw him from the back and it didn't look very good, but then I watched it from a different angle and I was like, oh yeah, because he looks way better. Like if you're, they were like filming him like down below. You gotta hit those from, angles. You know, you gotta up. He looks really good. Yeah. You just like the general camera from up and behind, he didn't look good. But anyway, his play, let's talk about that. Um, both last night and tonight, Gary Trent Jr. is not short of confidence. He will mm-hmm. let it fly. Um, I heard a couple guys talking about him outside of Damon CJ. Trent's probably the best player on the team as far as getting his own shot. Um, he can okay. get it from multiple levels. Now, that doesn't mean it's going in, but he can get to his spots. He has the ability to, from a full sprint, come to a complete stop and elevate straight up. Now, for anybody who doesn't yeah. understand quite how difficult this is, go out, play some basketball, blow your ACL up by trying to come to a complete stop off one step and elevating straight up in the air and getting a good clean jumper off. Because it's not well, easy. That's what, they, <laughs> that's what they say is so good. Why Harden is so good is because of his deceleration, yep. not his acceleration. Yeah, you, the ability to stop on a dime and get your defender to overcommit. Gary Trent Jr. can do that. He may have the best stop on this team right now. And it's, it's, it's really nice. Um, It'll be it, even better when it goes in. Yeah. And that's the thing. <laughs> He's letting it fly from all levels. Um, I said it during the preseason game last night and I, you know me, I'm not one really, really one for takes, but Amford, Amford, <laughs> what? Oh, come on. You're I not do, one for takes. I do not have hot takes. You're I, not- <laughs> I do not have hot takes. Okay, we're going to put that one aside for oh, a minute. Okay. Is that a hot take by itself? Okay. Um, <laughs> but my hottest take I'm, I'm is, that, you finish. is that Anthony Simons has it. <laughs> and watching him last night and again tonight, that young man, and I'm not claiming he's going to be an all-star. That's, that's not what I'm saying here. But there's something about him that he makes things look very easy. And he mm-hmm. can get his shot damn near any time he wants to. And it's really mm-hmm. impressive because he does it and he makes it look effortless. Well, you just said that, that Gary Trent Jr. is really good at that also. So no, how no, no, are they? It's, are, it's, it's, are they different? Gary Trent are they Jr. Both the is, same? No, Gary Trent Jr. does it coming off screens, um, getting to certain spots in a, in a kind of a... Oh, he gets open shots. Yes. Is Anthony, that what you meant? Yes. Okay. Anthony Simons creates his own shot off okay. the bounce. Got it. Like he, Got it. He just has this inherent ability with a little in and out dribble, a hesitation dribble. It's not like he has like the craziest handles. It's just his handle and the way he moves allows him to create separation to get his shot off basically whenever he wants to. And he does it yeah, confidently. He me a little bit of CJ. He does have that kind of loose wiggle to him. I think it's CJ's more about having rhythm timing in his dribble and then changing okay. it up. And this is this is sacrilege because this is a place I don't go to very often. Simons reminds me more of of, of Brandon, of Roy, oh. in in that he gets you on his rhythm, and then he changes it up. Does that huh. make sense? Like he kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit, and then it's not this the that most makes explosive sense, but that thing. Like CJ to me also. CJ is it's not the most explosive, and I I don't think that, but he'll hit you with a with a hard change of pace, not necessarily get you on a rhythm and lull you to sleep. Like the way Simons does it, there's something about it. That's just smooth and effortless. When you see CJ do it, you can see CJ kind of like much like Jamal Crawford winding you up and getting ready to cook you with Simons. Oh, it, it just happens. Lulling you to sleep. <laughs> yeah. You like, you all of a sudden you're just like, what the hell? How did he get open? Uh-huh. And I yeah, just and saw, how did saw he get more. Up at the rim yeah. And, so I just fast. Saw, and he's got a nice little floater too. 
He's got he's got a really nice in between game. So maybe you know having CJ be his big, you know, as a rookie yeah. is probably a good thing. I mean, because CJ's that be got a really nice combination. Because CJ's got a great in between game. Um, yeah. If he can take that from him, if he if he can bring that to his game, because Simons is is a, a blank canvas right now. Like he he's mm-hmm. got some skill, there's no doubt about that. But outside of his ability to create that space and and knock down a, 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 a in between shot, I don't know what else he really has. Like how tight is his handle? How is his ability to go right? How is it to go left? How is he coming off screens? How is he working off ball? Um, I will say that he did work in the pick and roll a little bit uh, last night uh, against the the oh. uh, Raptors. I believe it was Nurkic. Um, he had Kawhi Leonard isolated on the perimeter, and Nurkic brought the pick, and he came, took the pick, drove hard to the right, elevated at the 15-foot line, and let it go. Like, for huh. a 19-year-old rookie to go at Kawhi Leonard, whether it was in the ISO or the pick and roll, that's that's a nice little swagger. <laughs> pretty, pretty gutsy. Yeah. yeah. What, one of the things that I think is real interesting about Simon's that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out this year is that none of the other teams know what to do with him either. Nobody like, knows they what haven't to do with seen him. anything. They don't, they don't like Portland has a big advantage over everybody because now like, at least they know how he plays, but like who else, like what are they, how are they going <laughs> to, how are they going to scout him? Cause if he only, if he does get in the game, like they probably haven't looked at him at all. They, nobody can call up the college tape. It's just going to be like, well, I don't know. Here's the thing about, mean, about, about him, though. Is he that could be a secret weapon. Save, save injuries or garbage time, hell, even garbage time. Simons right. is the odd man out as far as like dressing for games. Um, my belief is that it's still up in the air. Who's that 14th guy is? Who's 13? Who's 14? Right. Stauskas looks like he wants to get on the floor. Like he's, yeah. he was, he was looking really, that's the thing. He got I on think. pretty quick too. Yeah. And that was the thing. He got on the floor much quicker than I thought. Um, the other yeah. part of that is, I think this is kind of the takeaway point again from the Blazers, both media day and preseason is that they were aggressive and Stauskas was aggressive. He, he tried to get after it defensively. He still struggles kind of with, with, with foot speed on that end, but offensively he took it off the bounce, came off screens, didn't hesitate on his threes. Like, he looks like he really wants to get minutes. So I think it's still between him and Gary Trent Jr. And knowing Stotts and what his history is, he'll probably opt to go with Stauskas to dress over Gary Trent Jr. I thought it would be the other way around because I thought Trent Jr. might impress enough in camp. And there's still a chance for that to happen. But I think the way he's playing, though the aggressiveness that he's showing, um, the tenacity that he's trying to get after with, you know, so far – and Stotts' history with, you know, veteran versus rookie, I think Stauskas has got the edge. But it, it was nice to see Stauskas, you know, try to get out there in the early running and make something happen. Yeah. Well, Dan, you sound awfully positive, and I know you tried to, you know, Ratchet temper it, it and bring it down a little bit, but, you know, it's I'm just happy okay. I think, back. I think, yeah, I think it's totally okay right now that we are excited that you're excited and that we're all looking forward to seeing what this year is going to bring because, you know, you just you just don't know. We just got to appreciate it while we have it, especially when you watch. We've already got some injuries this year, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, we have to just take it as it comes. I mean, injuries to other teams. Who went out? Was it Oak? Um, ja, yeah, Jaw uh, was, ja was missing from uh, New Okafer. Orleans. 
uh, went out tonight with a boot on, and it's just like, oh, we just we have to appreciate every little bit and hope that Lowry, they marketing's out for the first two months. Oh yeah, I mean, there's already, yeah, already yeah. Gonna, which sucks because I actually was looking forward to watching that team. A healthy yeah. Levine, Lowry, and Wendell Carter mm-hmm. was going to be, if, if nothing else, a league pass is going to be fun. Well, I'm glad. Somebody is looking forward to Chicago. <laughs> I don't think Chicago is looking forward to Chicago at this point. But yeah, no. no. <clears throat> so it's okay. Uh, well, I have one little one little uh, thing to report. My dream of the Gary um, Gary and Gary podcast is we're one tiny inch closer because I like tweeted about it, and one of the Garys, I think it was uh, Gary Payton, liked my tweet. So there you go. We are. We're getting there. The Gary and Gary podcast is going to happen. I swear to God, this needs to happen. Gary Gary Payton and Gary Trent Sr. talking about basketball would just be the most glorious thing. So that is my um, my non-preseason update. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? We should probably go ahead and wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, we should probably wrap it up because I've been rambling for, God, an hour now. Um, that's, <laughs> that's more than usual. So, yeah, I, I am hyped about basketball. Um Got a little surprise coming. Um, I, I don't know if it's a good surprise, bad surprise, but it's a surprise. It's coming. Uh, the first home preseason game uh, for the Blazers. So hopefully I'll be able to, to talk about that here next week. So that's something I'm looking forward to, something cool and fun. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. I'm just ramping up for the season and uh, making my uh, my primetime debut. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, boy. God save us oh, all. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to get humbled <laughs> real quick when everybody's like, who is this idiot on my TV screen? So well, we fun. need to, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we need to get some um, preseason, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, God, I'm totally blanking. Obviously, I've been talking for way too long also. Um, you know, we need to preview uh, the other teams. Yes, that the and, we, are and we will have some folks on, some guests, so, guest contributors on along alongside us to discuss various that. divisions and competition that, in so the we West. We can learn about, learn about the competition as they're coming. Um, well, that, um, that that does it for, for about for all I had to cover. That's all I got. I, I, all I'm, right. I'm talked out. I'm done. Okay, it well, happened. you it can happened, find okay? me um, at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can also email us at what is our email address? I haven't said it in a few weeks because I keep forgetting. It's uh, blazersedgepod at hey, gmail.com. Go. So go ahead and email us with your questions about what's coming up this season. Oh, I also got to give a shout out to Bur- Burlicious M. Shoot, I can't remember. Um, he's somebody who listens to the podcast and he was sitting in front of me at the Thorns game and he turned around and he was like, Hey, are you on a podcast? And I could not believe that I was talking so much to the Thorns game that he recognized my <laughs> voice. <laughs> but anyway, it was Perfect. super great to sit and we actually watched the Thorns and talked about the Blazers. It, I was, it was, it was heaven. So shout out to him for saying hi. I appreciated that. So go ahead and take us out of here, Dan. All right, folks, you can find me on Twitter, on social media, Instagram, everybody else for whatever you want, I guess. Uh, at DMARING, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Also on Blazers Outsiders. Every game night, pregame, hour before, postgame, half hour to 45 minutes afterwards on NBC Sports Northwest with Shane Brennan and Joe Simons. Uh, I think that's it for now. So thank you, Tara. Thank you, everybody listening. We'll, we'll uh, catch you guys next week. We'll have some more game action to talk about. See you then. Woo-hoo! Oh, so excited. Woo-hoo!